Ministry leaders have perhaps the most unfair advantage in the world when it comes to the habit of social media content creation. Every single week, whether from the pulpit or in the classroom, in Bible studies or worship services, we are sharing the good news. So one would think that translating these ideas to social media content would be a no-brainer, and yet it's surprisingly difficult. On today's episode, a few helpful tips on sharing the good news online. This is the Digital Missions Podcast. Yo, welcome back to the Digital Missions Podcast, where our goal is to equip ministry leaders like you to reach their first million people with the gospel. I'm your host, Justin Kuhn. Here's the thing. Learning how to turn a 30-minute sermon into bite-sized pieces of content is a little bit of an acquired skill. Truth be told, many of us struggle with it. My guest for today is Ian Simpkins, and he's an expert at this. He's the lead pastor of teaching and vision of The Bridge, located in Tennessee. He's a husband, father to three boys, musician, and the author to over 2,000 Instagram posts, which means he's an expert at this. He's here with us today to share all the secret hacks to limiting the infinite time suck that is social media. Ian, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Bro, thanks for having me. That might be the best podcast intro I've ever heard in my life. I, you are I love exceptional. That. My that, that's very, that's very kind. And low key, it is one of my goals uh, to just get a little bit of chuckle with every one of these introductions. So I appreciate so that. But we're talking about this idea of using social media for ministry, trying to limit time. And I know that this is something that's something uh, that's that's very much. One of the things that you think about, I actually listened to part of your podcast interview where you're talking about the importance of Sabbath as those of us who are in ministry uh, and the challenge that, you know, the 80 hours a week expectation is. And my goodness, when we add social media to the mix, it is very possible that the world just never stops spinning and we're just constantly chasing things down. And so I'm really excited to be able to hear from you because you are a boots on the ground in the in the trenches kind of ministry leader. You're a husband. You've got kids. Uh, you're 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 getting a little old, dare I say? As we were talking in the background, you're 40 years old with three boys. Goodness gracious, how do you do it? And you've uploaded 2,000 times, which I know doesn't happen by accident. So all that to say, clearly these things matter to you, and yet. I'm sure there's got to be a balance of time. I'm wondering if you can give us a bit of an introduction to your story as to how you got introduced into social media ministry and really why this is one of those things that's got sticking power for you. Why have you decided to allocate some of your life force to putting mm. words out there on the internet? So I'm sure some people ask you this question. They might even look at you sideways when they see you doing it so regularly, but I'd love to hear the why behind what you do. Boy, that's such a good question, man. I uh, I'm a recovering homeschool kid from Detroit and uh, moved to Chicago to study student ministry. Kind of fell backwards into ministry in the first place. That's a whole other story. But uh, uh, really cut my teeth in in Chicagoland, and it was the Instagram thing in particular. Just to say it on record, was all entirely by accident. Like it, oh. people I always I always feel like I'm letting people down when they like want to know the secret or the master plan. I was like, this was all I fell, I fell backwards into this. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, it was 2020 when the, when the world was melting down. And it was actually uh, after the murder of George Floyd, hmm. when people, people were kind of posting black squares on their social media. And oh. I remember being really um, like that resonating, but also not wanting to know like is that the thing i should do or, or shouldn't do and i was a part of church in chicago wanting to be 
respectful and mindful and all these other things. And so I, I did, I posted a black square and at the time I, I hosted a radio show and it was uh, me and my co-host. And we said, you know, this might not be our time to talk. So we spent an entire week just inviting and listening to, to pastors and leaders of color in our city. And I didn't post, I think at all, actually, I just felt this like weighty sense of the world needs your ears more than your words right now, Ian. Just, just, wow. you need to listen. And I, I remember like really wrestling with that. And so the first time that I felt like after a week or two, I had any kind of articulation of, of anything, I just, I, I just wrote it in, in Apple Notes and, and screenshotted it. And I was like, maybe, hopefully this will be helpful for someone else who's trying to make sense of everything else that's happening and and it like really resonated and not only just in like you know likes and shares which is fine yeah, sure but people sure. messaging me in some like really vulnerable very touching ways like that you you have put words to the thing that i've been racking my brain to try and articulate or or that has felt like an oasis and a season that has felt so tumultuous so that was kind of the first mini light bulb of like oh there might be some real pastoral value to this beyond simply advertisement or message board and uh it kind of grew from there yeah did, did this fit your existing box of what the utility of social media was or was this something that you had to make space for in your brain that's a great question too man i i didn't know at all that it would be a consistent thing like hmm. i have a uh i think i have I'm an Enneagram three. I'm the oldest of seven. Uh, so I'm just used to like having to be like loud and, you know, fighting for, um, you know, fighting to be heard in any way, shape or form. And as a preacher, I was kind of at the point where I was like, I'm sort of tired of the sound of my own voice. I didn't feel any need to like add <laughs> to the noise. So there was no sense of like, I should do this every day from now on. Uh, so what was nice about it was I wasn't, there was no quota to hit. I wasn't beholden to any board that was like, hey, you need at least six per week. It was like, oh, the next time something resonates or I'm trying to make sense of something, it was almost like processing out loud. And yeah. and there's a bunch, of, if, you, if you scroll back far enough, some of those are like real dumpster fires of posts, like real <laughs> bad, either bad theology or just not uh, helpful. And I had to kind of be willing to... Um, to process in real time yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. sort of trust that God would use some of it, but it definitely wasn't like a, I'm going to, I'm going to make a decision to myself, new year's resolution twice a day. And hopefully this will reach people. It was sort of like, if I have something to say, I'll say it. And if I don't, I'm perfectly fine uh, being silent. You know, that that checks out with kind of the way that I've personally engaged with your, your social media content. It, it seems that there are moments mm -hmm. for sure where you've thought through your idea very well. It's probably a Cliff Notes version of a sermon or, or a Bible study or something where it's like, okay, he's bringing something to the table that's substantive. And then there's other times, and I don't mean this pejoratively, you're, you are processing out loud. It's a question. It's a reflection with a question mark. And you're just like, I don't know. I'm test driving this idea. Was that something that was difficult for you to do as someone who's really respected as maybe a thought leader in your community, you need to be bringing fire all the time. And mm -hmm. now you're just asking questions that you don't even have the answer for. Is that, was that hard for you to, to wade it out into that space? Yeah, that, that was exceptionally hard, man. Not only the Enneagram three stuff, but also 
well, you know, I've had sort of crippling imposter syndrome most of my life. So the idea of like opening yourself up to the possibility that you don't have an answer uh, can be quite terrifying. And what's what's interesting now, as I kind of pay attention to the rhythms of writing, is that sometimes it's lead and sometimes it's lag. So sometimes I'm working on a sermon mm-hmm. and I want to see if a concept makes sense or if it resonates before I preach it. Other times, in this even happens sometimes in real time. I'll be I'll be preaching a sermon and a and a part of the message that I did not anticipate resonating at all will will get it'll garner some kind of reaction. And I'm like, oh maybe I need to put a little more meat on that actually. And that will inspire a post later in the week. So sometimes it's before and sometimes it's after. But yeah, you, you're you're right to observe that sometimes it's like I th- I think Ian's in, in the midst of wrestling through this, and that is definitely not my my mo is not let let people see it. My mo is here's the finely tuned, polished product, and it's probably been a, a discipline, gosh, over the last fifteen years to proactively seek vulnerability and transparency, even if it means uh, I end up looking a little dumber in the process. Well, you know, I, I know that there's people who misread the intention of something like that. I, I, I've sure. been a part of a handful of creative projects. I was doing a series around the time of George Floyd as well called I'm Listening, where I was literally pu- uh, intentionally putting myself in the opposite seat from someone who saw the world very differently, whether that's politically or religiously. And wow. one of the biggest kind of um, pushbacks that I got from my faith community was I was air quotes platforming people. And maybe you're not platforming opposing, uh, opposing views or something along those lines, but you're certainly asking questions without providing an answer. I got to imagine some people might find that threatening. How do you deal with the pushback that someone's saying, hey, why are you stirring the pot, the pot, Ian? Like, why, why are you just, you know, kicking the hornet's nest, so to speak? Like, why aren't you just giving the good news? Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, first answer I would give is if you if you look at how many questions Jesus has asked mm-hmm. and then how few he actually answers straight on, it's so startling and so interesting to me. And he's often responding instead with a question or a really weird story. And many of us in sort of the modern post-enlightenment West do not love Jesus's model of evangelism. We like kind of clear-cut journalistic accuracy. Here's the grid. Here's the whatever. And I'm not opposed to any of that. But if we really want to apprentice in the way of Jesus, he's often responding with more questions or what if, or let me, it's kind of like a mustard seed. And you're like, what do you... What are you talking about? Where'd that come from? Yeah, exactly. What were you planting a mustard seed when this moment came? Like, I there's so many other questions, but I I think you're right to bring that up because um, I think some of the most hurtful things that have been said to me in my adult life have been said online, and I I honestly do not think I was prepared for that. So certainly, Hmm. there's plenty that sort of like feeds the endorphins and the dopamine, the pot, the encouragement, and all that. But gosh, people have said some of the most, not even just vile, but like truly hurtful that I've had to then kind of process. Like maybe I need to slow my roll here. And uh, and I and again, I, part of that is like what ministry is. You know, yeah. there's going to be yeah. people that you're going to rattle. My goal is never to rattle for the sake of rattling. I'm not. I'm not interested in like just stirring pots for fun. Mm-hmm. But if there's something that I'm seeing, and this is why. 
I'll often tell people I'm I'm a practitioner first. Like mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a flesh and blood pastor for an actual community in real space and time. And my priority is not to pastor Instagram. So these are things we're processing. And if over there you're like, that doesn't apply to me, it's like, that's okay. Yep. But we're working through that right now. And I'm having lunch with Gary tomorrow and dinner over at the Murdochs to talk. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. for me, that that is where I try to anchor whenever we're diving into sticky territory. And and honestly, I just I don't always get it right. Sometimes I have kicked hornet's nest where I look over my shoulder and think, I don't think that was helpful. I think that mm-hmm. I, that actually just felt like I was stirring things for the sake of stirring, and I don't want to do that. Hmm. that that's important reflection. Uh, you, you, you've piqued my curiosity saying uh, some of the most hurtful things, most vile things have happened in the online space. I'm I'm kind of curious. Is there one or two that you can share with us just to satiate my curiosity? Would that be all right? Oh, man, you could probably guess. I mean, you know, there's the uh, false teacher, false prophet stuff. Some of it goes a little deeper, like, um, please never preach again. Uh, uh, I Yeah, there's been a few that are a little more ominous, like, mm-hmm. hope you crash your car today. And you're like, oh. Mercy. So not, you know, not necessarily that I would die, but that I, you know, I would be automotively inconvenienced. So, um <laughs> Yeah, some of the stuff, it's never been like so mm. weird or dark that I've had to, you know, like investigate, but there's been a few that have been, have kind of called uh, really my vocation into question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even accusations of like, oh, you're just doing this to, you know, mislead people or lead them down, a, you know, th- those kinds of assumptions about motive mm-hmm. tend to be some of mm-hmm. the more hurtful. You're like, mm-hmm. I feel like if we got coffee, we would probably agree on ninety-seven percent of stuff, but you know, over a screen, you don't, you lose all that nuance. Hundred percent. So, so, so for you, what's the routine? Do you, do you have kind of a set uh, returning back to home base, resetting, recalibrating when something like that happens? Like gets through the armor because because there are sometimes where someone says something silly and you're just like, okay, whatever, like that that doesn't even land for a moment. But there's sometimes where you you leave the space thinking about it for a little bit longer. And I guess what is that process uh, of just getting your mind right, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I, I try to live by a couple of key axioms and principles. One of them is uh, follow truth wherever it leads, mm-hmm. which means sometimes even your critics can say true things. And so I I don't want to fall. I feel like this is really popular right now. Like anyone who disagrees with you, cut them out of your life. And I'm like, yeah. I don't think that's healthy either. Like I need people to tell me I have spinach in my teeth. So thankfully, there there are uh, you know people that are, are kind of ride or die for me who mm-hmm. not only know all my crap, but they they also like they understand motive and intention, and they can hold intention to like, hey, I know you as a person, and I know that you mean well. I know your heart for people. I also need to tell you as your friend and brother uh, that was problematic, or mm-hmm. maybe not as helpful as you thought. And so like having those people. Like my wife is such a gift in that regard because she just is she's willing to tell me the hard truth and I, I never doubt that it's coming from a place of love. Hmm. And if I'm looking to, you know, platforms for my if the praise of people is what sustains me, then the criticism of people will unravel me. I yeah, I so cannot true. put my identity or sustenance in in you know this mass whatever because it's always going to be unstable. If the people that know me best are willing to tell me the hard truth about myself, 
yeah. then uh, I'll just I'll just keep coming back to that, you know. Well said. Well said. Okay, so let's let's get back to the story. You posted the, or maybe you didn't post a black box, but you certainly started asking questions. Started to realize that there's a, a pastoral utility for social media, but you also said that you weren't convinced that this was something that needed some regular rhythms to it. You weren't committing a New Year's resolution or anything like that. So how do you go from kind of huh, okay, maybe there's no no role for social media. So, wow, that was interesting, unexpected to kind of where you are now. How would, how would you describe your relationship to social media as a pastor, as someone who who cares about, you know, sharing the good news with as many people as possible? I, I would say the relationship is still complicated. Um, you know, I've had to do a lot of work personally on my relationship to my phone in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not just time spent. You know, I'll, I'll tell our church all the time, like, Formation is not a Christian thing. It's a human thing. We're we're all being formed by someone or something. The question is, do you actually know what it is? So if this is the first thing we reach for every morning and the last thing we look at before we go to bed at night, that's that's a formation device. And so I, I was realizing pretty early on, like, I don't know that my relationship with the device itself is necessarily healthy, which obviously that corresponds to my posture in social media and the temptation for comparison or bitterness or any of that. So I had to kind of deal with some of that on the front end. Mm-hmm. And I also think for me, I uh, I enjoyed processing, but I also, I didn't like the thought of being boxed in like, hey, if you start doing this every day, it's going to be an expectation. Honestly, what changed for me were the stories, were, the, were these really tender DMs from people and they're like, hey, I'm not saying you have to do this. I just need you to know that the last three have led to these conversations with my spouse or my pastor or my neighbor that has led to some real fruit. And I just want you to know uh, that for whatever reason, God is using your words and we may never meet. It was like those kinds of things that Mm -hmm. it was less about great job. You should post more and more about, Hey, in case you're questioning it, God seems to be using some of these feeble attempts to actually bring meaningful change for people so if you ever felt like maybe doing it more we would not be opposed and i kind of brushed that off for a long time until i was like all right so maybe maybe i need to maybe i need to pay attention a little bit to that and that that's probably where i kind of began to to shift ever so slightly what what do, you, what do you think it is about you that caused you to treat those very you know heartfelt sincere compliments uh what caused you to treat it kind of half-heartedly, just kind of dispose of it for in, the, in that early going? Like, nah, that's maybe that's not real, or you're just the one-off kind of a thing. What, what was going on that caused you to not give it full weight, do you think? Boy, I mean, honestly, probably my own insecurity. You know, when somebody, I, I've never received compliments well at all. Mm-hmm. You know, Sundays after a sermon are really tough for me because you like secretly desire affirmation, but then brush off any that comes your way. You're like, that's <laughs> yeah. the insanity that is my brain. Uh-huh. So I think, yeah, that, that's my, that's my, uh, my bent is to dismiss it as a one-off or mm. I'm sure you're just being nice and I'm grateful for the niceness, but I'm not sure that has teeth, you know? Mm-hmm. And when it just became the sheer volume of it, I was like, Are this, could this many people be trying to pull my leg <laughs> or, <laughs> or might there be something there? I mean, that was, I mean, all the way down to the beginning of my ministry career, I was, you know, I was 16 when our associate pastor said, hey, I want you to preach next month. Uh, oh. And I was like, 
no, 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 thank you. And he was like, I wasn't asking you, I was telling you. Like, I would never have known how prophetic that would sort of be, this like reluctancy to ministry and God sort of like knocking on the door and the knock slowly gets louder. It's like, hey, dummy, like, this is what I'm, pay attention to yeah. what, is, what is happening here. And I'm trying, I'm a little hard of hearing, I think, in the spiritual sense sometimes. And I'm trying to get, trying to, trying to hone that a little bit more and be, respond quicker hmm. and with less reluctance, you know? All right. So you got started in 2020 when, when many of us got, got a start when it came to online ministry. And at some point you crossed the Rubicon. You're like, all right, God is doing something through this. Doesn't mean that I need to have very unhealthy relationships to my devices, but there is something very real going on. What has kind of led you to the point where you're like, okay, this is at least one of the rhythms of my of my week maybe not every single day but it is a rhythm of what i spend time doing because god is god is using it he, he's he's allowing people to be impacted for the kingdom in some meaningful way yeah there's sort of a a micro and a macro rhythm i think a lot of the macro rhythm is similar to how i was taught to write sermons you know the oh okay the very earliest preaching props i had the, some of the best advice they gave was just always be writing your radar should always be up thinking about like i've i've had uh what i call an ideas folder on my desktop since 2010 like it's a if i see a commercial or an ad or a meme or a quote i'm like i don't know where i'm going to use that but i think there's something to that and i just drop it in this folder just mm -hmm. always collecting you know what i mean yeah yeah uh, i've had a, a a running document of just stories from my life that anytime a story happens i just i just jot it down there i will never use 85% of those, either because like it's a terrible story or it doesn't connect to anything. I do the same thing with the Instagram stuff. I'm just always like, there's honestly at this point, <laughs> you would, I, I'd be embarrassed to show you. There's hundreds of like half thoughts or my Ooh. attempt. You know, like I'm a, I'm a drummer. So I, I think in terms of rhythm and it's sure, like, sure. You can see my real cheesy attempt to try to make something rhyme or an alliteration. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm I'm gonna push in on your insecurity a little bit. I want you to read like the the last three or five of these ideas. I'm really curious what was going on in the last 24 hours that stood out to Ian Simpkins. Bro, honest. <laughs> I mean, one of them is just quotes from my boys. Oh, okay. Yeah. How old is this boy in particular? The Owen Five. Nice. This is uh uh <laughs> is this while he's throwing up? Cause 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 the, the, no, the boys yeah, are throwing is, up right now. This is in between vomit fest. Uh <laughs> okay. Owen the five-year-old said, Papa, we're all made from dust, but I don't feel sandy. <laughs> so all this just stuff like that. I'm like, oh, oh man, oh my goodness. there might be some real truth to that. He's learning some of these biblical truths. And is like applying them through a five-year-old lens. So it's oh. like, I don't feel like dust at all. I'm like, oh man, I've never written a post on <laughs> us being from dust. So I just jot it down. <laughs> okay, give, give me another one. Give me one or two more. That, that was fantastic. Yeah, some of these are, are a lot less funny. I, I just wrote, um, safety is not a kingdom principle. I don't Ooh. know. I don't know. No, that that resonates to me. That resonates to me. But I don't, there's... And some of it, honestly, sometimes it's like an idea will percolate mm -hmm. and something else will be happening in culture. I'm like, man, if I post that. Uh, yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work with think, the context of what's going on right now. Totally. They'll think I'm referring to something else. And I'm like, okay, maybe not. So I, 
I have no further thoughts on that one, but I'm like, hmm. some of our appetite for safety or control, yeah. I don't see, yeah. Yeah. I don't see that anywhere in what Jesus presents as like kingdom virtues. It was right. just the thing. I well, literally so, had that thought. So for, for the listener, the context is as we're recording this episode, there's a lot going on be- uh, in, in Israel in particular. So very obvious, hey, not the right time to post that idea. Um, so with that caveat, I'd actually love if you would verbally process out loud with me what what that could look like. What was what was going on around you that triggered the thought? Obviously, we're not referring to to, to Israel, so we want to make sure that that context is clear. But for the for the sake of exploring the mind of a creative, the mind of Ian Simpkins, where would you where would you start to 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 take that idea? Yeah, we so there's we've been wrestling as a leadership team for a while now at, at the church about um about the table and about mm-hmm. seeing the table as the main vehicle by which we we live out the mission and so we've been we've been dreaming up about what would it look like for for everyone in our church to see their dining room table mm. as the way to bring the gospel to their neighbors and their family you know to I feel like it's such it's such an ordinary item that most mm-hmm. of us just sort of overlook and there was a, a phrase that emerged in the first or sec- second century of the church, and it was something like, every table is an altar. Mm. And it carried with it this like sacred sense that every meal, every cup of coffee is is charged with the grandeur of God, and wow. we miss these opportunities. And so like part of what, as we've been talking about it, some of the pushback has been, well, hospitality is nice in, in principle, but like... Mm-hmm that's inviting strangers into my home. Like, how do we maintain safety? And I, I was just wrestling with, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sympathetic to that hesitation, but safety is not a kingdom principle. Hospitality is though. There's a different, you know what I mean? And that, mm-hmm. so how do we hold the tension, the call to be radically generous? Hmm. Well, also maybe being wise, but sometimes, I don't know, sometimes wisdom masquerades as cowardice and sometimes it's the other way around you know yeah, like how do yeah. you differentiate between good boundaries and i actually just don't want to because that's scary and so yeah. i'm again that's not a good instagram post that's just me rambling on a podcast but no, that's I, not- I, I appreciate it man it, it i i like i love the vision and i i love the idea because you're, you're trying to move your community in a particular direction to being incarnational to being yes. willing to, to step out of the comfort zone to being used by the holy spirit and then there's this creative part of your brain that's asking yourself the question well how best can i communicate that idea and i think that this is this is fundamentally why i think digital missions is is so potentially valuable is because you get many cracks at the same idea you get to do it every single day rather than once a week and so the the overwhelming kind of cumulative power of mm-hmm. tapping into these rhythms is that you actually do get a form to to call back to your previous uh reference you get to form your community when they might be exposed to other influences that might be forming them in an alternative way. Yes, that's a hundred percent right, man. And I and I was just realizing this as I was hearing you talk that some of why the the black box thing has been helpful for me. I had a mentor uh, twelve years ago when I was learning how to preach. He said, "Until you can summarize your sermon." It, or no, until you can explain your sermon in one sentence to an eight-year-old, you're Ooh. not done with it yet. Yes. And he would ask me, like, hey, what's the sermon about this Sunday? I'm like, oh, it's sort of about the ontology, <laughs> variegated nomism, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, you're not done writing it. Until you yep, can explain yep. it in one sentence to an eight-year-old, you're not done. And so I, be- I became really uh, intrigued by that idea of, can I actually distill down 
And he, again, obviously, sermons have hopefully illustrations and some humanity, affordability. Yeah. But it became like a like a challenge to me. Like as a drummer, I would regularly take away pieces of the kit mm-hmm. to see: can I still sound good without a floor tom? Like mm-hmm. without this this ride that I love, can I still? Will this still fill the song? And uh, I just have, I, I like those challenges of forced parameters. Like, mm-hmm. can you say something that's in any way compelling and also orthodox, not heresy, in a couple of black squares? And uh, yeah. and sometimes some of the notes. It's not that they're too brief, it's that they're too long. There's there's three thousand words, and that's just that is too much for the format. And I I like even that discipline of trying to trying to get to the to the crux of what it's actually about. You know, I, I think that for me is my favorite part part about content creation is the the creative exercise of trying to be more effective in my communication. Uh, I think there's something to it. I think your 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 mentor was right that we need to be able to learn how to distill down ideas, especially in in the world where everyone has the attention of a goldfish. Like we <laughs> we actually have to, if we want the kingdom to be able to be pushed forward, at least in the Western world. This is perhaps one of the prerequisites now, and and I think that this is one of those things that where you know culture has moved much faster than we in the church have been able to uh, adapt to. Uh, We're still optimizing for a world that's maybe 50 years in the past. And so while many pastors have the training to do their three-point sermon or their four-point close over 30 minutes and this and that, we struggle to turn the 30 minutes into 30 seconds. And so I'm I'm glad that we got here because this is what I want to hear from you because you're a teaching pastor. You've got, this this is kind of the role that you play. And so this practice of distilling ideas down into its simplest kernel is is kind of a core competency. Is there is there a general, if you were to reflect on it, is there a general kind of process that your brain naturally works through that you've habituated to be able to take mm-hmm. something that's complex and try and make it simpler for an eight-year-old? Yeah. This I'm so glad you asked that because this is where I get to brag on our team. We, we have a teaching team at the bridge. Nice. So every sermon three weeks before it's taught, Taught is presented to a teaching team and Ooh. they rip it to shreds and not just uh hey this was confusing or this was too long they also will pick up on stuff that i never would have caught like hey this you said in a thousand words what could have been said in a hundred or oh. you rattled off these examples all of these sound like white dudes and I know you don't mean that but you like leave out a whole demographic of people or so they just bring all of this it like comes alive in teaching team. Mm. I, and I, I try to regularly include that in sermons so that they know, hey, there's a there's this is a collective communal process. I, mm. I just get to be the one on a stage with a microphone. So that's that in my mind is the clear number one because I don't mm. I, my brain actually doesn't naturally do it very well at all. Like okay. what's what's the writing sentiment? Uh kill your darlings, you know, like <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll, a lot of my writing becomes very dear to me very uh, quickly. Sure, yeah. sure. I think it's an old Abraham Lincoln quote. Like I didn't have time to write a short letter. So I wrote a long one, you know, mm-hmm. most, most Fridays or Saturdays, I have enough for like two to three sermons still. <laughs> and the discipline is like, Hey, tomorrow you do not have three hours to give this sermon. And I, and again, and I'm not proud of this part. I had to do some real like ego check type stuff because when you come through a message Hmm. I had to ask myself, How much uh, matters? is this is parsing this Greek verb helpful or do you just want people to think you're smart? 
and mm-hmm. having to like really do the hard work to say to myself, I don't think this actually helps a sermon. I think this is just me feeling insecure and wanting people to think I'm smarter than I actually am. Or if I'm giving a more charitable read to myself, like I want you to think I'm competent or you didn't make a mistake in hiring me. And so I had to like really, I had to do some heart work there. Like a lot of the length of the sermon was due to me trying to wow people. And I think people would way rather be loved than wowed, man. And I am just more convinced of that today than ever. I think that's my biggest fear whenever I get to stand on a stage is that I don't fill the time. It, it's it's almost the opposite because there's almost a, a badge of honor where like I had 30 minutes, but I had a lot to say. So I filled 35 because I'm that passionate about the message. And really, it might just be that I haven't practiced well enough. Um, I, I don't actually know my subject material as well as I should. And I think yep. that to stand on a stage and to give a message in 20 minutes and not 30 minutes, I would feel like I maybe shortchanged people. Sure. And maybe that's actually the best way to serve them in that context. Well, and who's ever been mad that a sermon ended early? <laughs> right? I've, it's I've, totally I've, irrational. I've never heard of anybody like, oh, shoot, we got out early. Never, never in the history of the church. Uh, so so what I'm hearing you say is that we got to be willing to have that honest self-reflection. We got to be willing to kill our darling darlings, to quote uh, Abraham Lincoln, is, is, or at least that's who we're, think, we're attributing it to today, whoever that person was. Um, okay, great. That That's fantastic. What else helps you to kind of trim things down uh, and, and to be able to translate your sermons into social media content? Yeah, into the content is is tricky because sometimes what actually makes its way to Instagram is like a reordering of stuff from the sermon. Ooh. So I wish I could tell you, I think what would be easiest, mm-hmm. you know, I see a lot of this with video content where I know that AI is accomplishing a lot of this now where they'll mm-hmm. take a 50 minute keynote and it'll chop up for you like the the moments mm-hmm, with Instagram mm-hmm. sometimes I'm I'm reordering moments it's like I think this point actually should have been first and I didn't realize it until I was saying it mm-hmm. uh so a lot of it is um you know this is maybe not a good idea to admit this for me for a long time on Sundays after everyone left I would immediately go back and rewatch the tape. Like I treat it like game tape. And I feel like that's a, that's probably a, something you should talk to your psychiatrist about. Seriously. <laughs> it's, it's a little, it is a little psychotic and, and I still do it, but I don't, I don't do it on Sundays anymore. It's too, it's still too that's fresh. Probably wise. That's probably wise. Re-listening to that stuff is really helpful for me. And even noticing, oh man, Ian, you really fired up talking about this. Hmm. Maybe there's more beneath that that's worth digging into. Honestly, even sometimes even hearing my own passion helps me kind of better hone for the next one. You know, Adam Graham talks about don't give feedback, give advice. Feedback is only about what just happened. Advice is like, hey, for the next time. So I always try to treat the game tape that way. Like, okay, how can we how can we better tighten up whatever that was next time? But the honing from sermon to Instagram is usually a mess, man. Like it's Mm -hmm. like uh a smattering of ideas and trying to figure out if it actually is even compelling or if the tone translates. Like if you don't know me, I did, I did a post. I don't know why this jumped out to me probably two years ago. And I was being cheeky. And so I like did a, 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 I quoted a verse, but in like modern, you know, English context. And I put the new Ian, new Ian translation. Now, if you know me, you know, I'm joking about that. Yeah. Yeah. All of the hate was like, who do you think you are trying to translate the Bible? And I was like, that's not, that's not what I was, my church would have gotten that. 
but online's a different thing. So I've gotten better at like realizing some of this is purely local and should never mm -hmm. be on Instagram. Hmm. And some of this has maybe more universal appeal. I, I appreciate that. And yeah, it, that's the that's the sucky part is that people who you know get right. it. And and when you're when you're first starting off, everyone loves it. Like that actually makes uh, the social media content maybe the most successful is that it's kind of an inside joke. But at some point when yeah. you do this to some level, there's no longer an inside and outside. It's just it, there's this giant town hall with potentially hundreds of thousands of people. It makes it a little bit more challenging. So I've heard two things so far. Kill your darlings. Number two, study your tape. Can I fly an idea by you and you let me know if it, if, if it, if it fits with the way that you see social media? You, you mentioned yeah. rearranging your sermons. And it, I have a theory that the way that we... We we pr uh, we present sermons is actually backwards from the way that we present social media content. So what I mean by that is that when it comes to sermons, we have this slow general crescendo throughout the entire message that ends on a climax. This is the big moment where you get all animated, you run around the stage, you do backflips, and then people come and and they get baptized and 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 they're they're born again, kind of in a moment. Yeah, if right. you're picturing a Pentecostal church, you're you're blowing people in the face and they fall over and the whole crowd is going wild. I see that that's how generally like pastors tend to live for that conclusion moment, that last mm. final point with a big amen, bring out the band. And that's kind of how it works. Mm. But on social media, it's, it doesn't work because all social media requires you to do in order for it to have a chance to be successful is grab someone's attention. And the mm. slow, gentle buildup oftentimes doesn't work on social media. And so uh, what we have to do is almost turn it backwards or you start with the conclusion and then explain how you got there. Do you, do you feel like that makes sense of what you've seen in the data? Bro, you are blowing my mind right now. We, I got to give credit to, uh, there's a woman named Tammy at our last church who was the teaching team pastor. She oversaw the team of pastors, brilliant, brilliant pastor and teacher. And, and the rubric that we would use because we would write collaboratively there too was uh wow why word what now we that was kind of the general rubric for writing so obviously that wasn't law but that was kind of the starting point so the wow is the intro piece mm -hmm. and that's exactly what you were saying we were always writing with how do we grab people early the skeptic the person that was dragged there by their spouse that doesn't want to be there mm. has no idea about Jesus, Bible, whatever. How do we, and not, it's not like wow them to impress them with us, but how do we hook them early? And then the why piece, which is always, I think the hardest part to write is the tension piece. Mm. So there's a hook piece that's like, oh, this stat that connects to a biblical truth. The tension piece is why do I care? Yeah. Like, why should I sit through the next 25 minutes? Sure, you made a funny intro or a compelling point at the beginning. How do we, you know, how do we, it's like the bass note, the the piece that resonates with my soul, even if I'm not sure how I feel about this Jesus stuff. So that's how I try to write now is like, how do we hook them? What's the tension point, the problem that it maybe solves? And then all your exegesis, right? That's then Here's what the word of God says. And then it's the what now piece. That's sort of your application response piece. And then we end with the we piece. And the we piece is the imagine if piece. It's the imagine if everyone in this room left and we lived as if this was actually true. Would that not transform your marriages and your neighborhoods and your job? And so you leave them with a sense of, I'm not, I'm not saying believe me because I said it. Go to the word of God and just imagine with me if we lived more generous lives like this. If we saw mm -hmm. like everything as an act of like ushering in the kingdom here and now. And 
it doesn't always work out that way, but that is how I tend to kind of order. And I hearing you speak makes me think that might actually serve well, that wow, why, word, what now, we structure. Uh, I can see that applying in some ways to social media. I love that. I love that. That's so, that's, that's amazing. So uh, before we kind of conclude our time here, uh, I heard you talk about on another podcast, the importance about Sabbath and people who follow me on social media know that's, that's one of my favorite things to talk about. I love talking about the gospel. I love talking about freedom. And Sabbath is one of those things that I also have uh, hold very close to my heart. I would love for you to talk about, sure, Sabbath, but uh, I want to talk about rhythms that you place in your life. You, you, yep. You've got children. You're getting a little old. You know, you're not getting any younger. Uh, you, you, you're pastor and you're creating content and you're a drummer. You do a lot of different things. Can you talk to me about important rhythms that matter to you in, in just maintaining a sane life and, and a life that's still on mission at the same time? Yeah, even in that word rhythm, I think that's key. I think for a lot of my life, I thought balance was the goal. And Ooh, I, was driving myself, I was driving myself crazy because balance is, in a lot of ways, I think, unachievable. So mm. just me spinning all these plates and saying yes to all this good stuff. And to me, rhythm, and again, as a drummer, you know, this is maybe why it resonates. When you learn music theory, you know, a good drum teacher will tell you the notes you don't play are as important as the ones you do play. Hmm. And I think that it's beautiful that in, in musical notation, the note you don't play is called a rest. That to me yeah. is, I just love that. Like without rest, it's just a wall of noise. Hmm. And I think our lives are the same way. Without rest, it could be good things, but you're just, it's just a wall of noise. And so learning this kind of rhythm, even with little kids having to, having to come to terms with the fact that hey you you maybe just don't get to travel as much right now because this is this is your priority so you talk about i love sabbath i think sabbath has such gospel implications you know Amen. we intentionally cease from striving come and on. god still loves us just as much as we did when we were crushing it you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and adam and eve their first full day was not a day of work it was a day of rest which means come on. Come on. We work from rest, not rest from work. It's a complete paradigm shift. But there's also these like micro decisions that I've made. You ask about like parenting. So mm -hmm. one of the rituals I have is that when I pull into the driveway at night, I, I shut my phone off completely until my boys go to bed. That's not a big sacrifice. Oh, that's good. But I, I do not want my boys to hear the sound of my voice without seeing the whites of my eyes. And I was catching myself. Ooh. And maybe maybe other parents can resonate. Like I was responding to them while also scrolling. Yes. And the yes, beautiful yes. thing about five-year-olds is they have no social decorum. <laughs> they'll just <laughs> grab, grab you by the face and they're like, I listen to me, Papa. And it was it was a very mm. it's a very haunting moment. Like, I'm gonna miss it if I'm not careful. So I've had I've had to establish these like little micro habits mm -hmm. to to help ensure that the highest priority things remain my highest priority because you know if if you do not decide where your time goes someone else will decide for you yeah and like Andy Dillard said how we spend our days is how we spend our lives man this whole idea like oh the next season I'll have more time or the next whatever it's like <laughs> I'm old Maybe. enough now to know that doesn't that next season doesn't just magically appear like oh. right well, this free time come from? So I've had to decide some pretty unsexy kind of micro habits now to help kind of guardrail the most important things for me. 
I love that. I'm, I'm so there with you. One of the one of the best and worst parts about what I do for a living, which is a lot of internet based things, is that I can be home and work. And that's great because I can be home and work. Yep. But the yeah. problem is that I'm at home and I'm working. Yeah, and right. uh, I, I quickly realized that the most common picture my son has of me is my back turned to the living room and distracted by some screen or the other thing. And so recently moved the office into the, the church kind of uh, building. And so I'm at home less, but I'm at home more in this counterproductive way. And so or counterintuitive way. And so I, I'm there with you. I, I like the idea. Turn off the phone until the kids go to sleep. I'm still navigating through that. And so all of to say, I just want to say I, I appreciate uh, the way that you're practicing what you preach. I appreciate the way that you're in community and the stories that you get to share with each and every one of us. I want to toss one last thing to you. Uh, you do a great job of asking questions through social media. And so my question for you is what's a question that you would challenge those who are listening to this podcast, given the conversation that we've had. It could be about mm. the conversation on Sabbath. It could be about how we relate to technology. It could be about why we do things online, how to create content. Is there a question that you mm. would want to leave listeners with just munching on after they listen to this podcast? Gosh, you're good at this. Um, <laughs> you know, there, I try to keep a balance too of like fun and serious questions. So mm. Sometimes they're like, what's your favorite Oreo flavor? And that'll get a whole bunch of reactions. And, you know, I, I recently admitted that I I think oatmeal raisin cookies are the best cookies. And oh, everyone everyone called that, me a heretic. And that's it, you know, a hot like, take if I ever heard of one. <laughs> so I always try to keep a healthy balance of like, sometimes Ian will ask something that's really goofy. And sometimes it's something that I'm actually either preparing for or wrestling with. One of the ones that was the most fruitful that kind of stands out in my mind was I forgot how I phrased it, but it was something like, if you at some point were a Christian and walked away from the church hmm. or are a Christian but really struggle to, what is the thing that made you really struggle to want to be a Christian? And the stories that emerged from that, and it was so beautiful, and it wasn't just a dogpile bash on the church or institutions or pastors even, but like a really honest, the kinds of stuff that, I don't know that people are naturally telling me in the lobby on a Sunday morning. That's the often the mm. stuff I'm trying to get online. Like, what are the things that maybe people deep down would love their pastor to know, mm. but don't necessarily know how to tell them, or they feel like it might be weird just to send an email. I try to like preemptive that or, or to anticipate some of that and say, man, if it's been a struggle for you to be a Christian the last couple of years, what what is that thing? Like, how can we learn from people's honesty and then obviously you're going to have you know people that are going to troll you or punk you or, or whatever but the vast majority of those responses if you're if people sense that you're earnest in the quest for their insight and experience i i, I it never ceases to amaze me how like beautifully vulnerable people can be hmm. so what i'm hearing is a version of the question is what's something that we could create that shows that we're actually listening not mm. just talking how's that how's that for, for conclusion great. I all love right. that. So good. Ian, thank you so much for all that you do. I appreciate you very much. If you have not yet followed him on Instagram and you want to check out what he does, the little magic, the creativity that he does in those little black boxes. Uh, I was I was teasing some friends as we were setting up for the uh, for the interview. Ian is a bit of a savant on social media in that he doesn't shake his butt on social media and he still is able to grab people's attention and is able to share good news with them. You can check him out <laughs> over on Instagram at at Ian Simpkins, and I think you'll be better off for it. Ian, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Really appreciate it. 
It was a pleasure, man. Thanks for the invite. Hey, if you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating. And of course, drop a sentence or two, letting people know how much this podcast has been helpful to you, to inspire you, and to equip you to reach your next million people with the gospel. And if you didn't know this already, I just released a book. That's right. I am officially a published author, and I want to send you my book as a thank you for being a part of this community. Send me an email over at hello at justinku.com, and I'll send you the PDF to the empty pews to a million views book, a step-by-step guide for reaching your first million people with the gospel. 